afternoon. Thank you for joining us for our episode two of Conversations Around Good. We love at Made Possible by to inspire people to continue to do good in their community. And if you're wanting new ways to do good, we want to help you find new ways to do good. So thank you for joining us today. Please uh, feel free in the chat box to ask any questions to our panelists. If we have time at the end, we uh, love to address those. So anytime you have questions, please feel free to pop those in there. Um, I'm going to jump in and let our amazing group of panelists introduce themselves. We've got some serious hitters here today. Um, we have uh, we have several female founders in the house. Whoop, whoop. So there you go. That's exciting. <laughs> So Erica, let's start with you. Okay, so hi everyone. Uh, my girls are running around in the background, so I apologize for that. But uh, we, uh, so I'm Erica Lucas. I'm one of the co-founders of Stitch Grew. In short, we connect um, high growth entrepreneurs with capital and resources so they can start their startups here in the region. Uh, I think we're mostly known because we do partner with the Oklahoma City Thunder to do this. Uh, it, we have a partnership with the Thunder Launchpad where we host this event under normal circumstances. Right now we're doing everything virtual. And I'm just delighted to be here because I appreciate and, and um, I'm a big fan of everybody that's in this room. Uh, and also because we actually accepted you're the first to know we've actually accepted Made Possible Lie as one of the companies in our cohort. So they're actually going to be uh, pitching to investors in a couple of weeks when we host our first virtual demo day. So um, hopefully um, we've made that demo day available to anyone. So hopefully anybody that, that tunes in for this also RSVPs to see what kind of startups are popping up in Oklahoma. Yes, that's awesome. Uh, we love to get more information out there so people can hear of all the other cool things that the other founders are doing because there's some cool group, good things going on in our batch. There's some fun things. Erica, when I, when I tell people about you, I say you're a champion for startups. So thank you for being that because it's not easy. For being, sure. Yeah. That's the best title. I'm, I, I think I'm going to start using that on my profile. <laughs> There you go. That's awesome. Sarah, I've known you for so long. Your girls are the sweetest things. So, but I want everybody to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about you. Uh, well, I'm Sarah Sears and I have a company called S Design and uh, I started it 26 years ago. So I've been doing this for a long time. And we, yeah, we started out um, primarily doing corporate identity work and back in the day and then have expanded over time. Um, kind of went the whole other direction with doing strategy work and now we've kind of filled in between the two. We're doing everything in between. So we work with business leaders and their teams to really develop their brand um, with great design and writing and content, but really starting at the core foundation of value structure and, and all of that so that it everything aligns and is very holistic. So awesome. You're, I call you the brand guru. Oh, thank you. <laughs> No, you just know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Jefferson, last but not, certainly not least at all. Sure. Tell us about uh, you. Yeah, when people ask me to tell about myself, the first thing I think of is uh, Oklahoma City, born and raised, and that both my parents are educators. And I think that 
Um, the influence of my parents really is, you know, I'm a byproduct of, of uh, their upbringing. So uh, my background is predominantly in health and wellness, which uh, I served the YMCA for quite a while, ended up in corporate wellness, and then uh, ended up doing community outreach and, uh, you know, philanthropic giving for a large oil and gas company for quite a while, and then bounced around the nonprofit sector for the last five or six years. So um, one part community volunteer, one part community organizer, one part somebody that just loves Oklahoma City and is blessed to call it home. And uh, my wife and I raise our three kids here and uh, love to be a chance of what that placemaking and purpose providing looks like, feels like, and tastes like. And just thankful to be a part of this afternoon's conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Jefferson. I feel like you're a renaissance man because you've done so many different things. You didn't even mention, mention the um, criminal justice reform. Criminal justice reform. Yeah, sure. Did that for quite a while. I still get to, uh, most recently, there was an event called Breaking Bread, which brought together about 250 different faith-based leaders from our community that uh, really was born out of criminal justice reform. And you can't talk about criminal justice reform without talking about racial reconciliation or injustice. So all those conversations kind of blend together pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, criminal justice reform, physical wellness, uh, mentoring, you know, touching all the bases, trying to learn a little bit about all of them and just give a damn. Like I said, Renaissance man. <laughs> You've got it all going on there. That's awesome. All right, Hetty, let's go. Who you? Who be, who be you? I didn't know I was introducing myself. Uh, I'm Hetty. I get the <laughs> opportunity to serve Tracy and making sure that uh, everything is going <laughs> as well as possible. <laughs> But uh, I'm from Guthrie, America, married to a very gorgeous woman who's the coolest thing about me. We have three great children. I love doing community and building community in whatever way that may look like. And so grateful to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Bernie wants me to be around because Hetty tells lies that she pursued him in high school, but it was actually the other way around. And so I'm here to keep Hetty in line and telling, keeping the story straight. So there you go. <laughs> Awesome, Jefferson, I'm gonna start with you on the first question. So um, we're talking about corporate responsibility. That's always what our conversations center around in conversations of good. So when you think of that, what does that mean to you? Because a lot of people aren't familiar with that term. Um, very often in the startup community, we say CSR and people have to stop and think, what does that stand for? Because there's so many acronyms in the world. So when you think of social respons community social responsibility, what does that mean to you? And how have you seen companies do it well? Uh, two part question, I guess. Uh, number one, to me, it's being a good neighbor. Um, it's identifying who you are, what your community looks like. Uh, just because you pull into a garage and it shuts at the end of the day, doesn't mean that you need to, uh, coincidentally enough during the season of COVID, um, <laughs> you shouldn't just live inside. You should be able to look around and um, be a good neighbor in every sense of the word. And that might mean volunteering to serve one another. That might be, you know, rolling up your sleeves to, uh, you know, politic or policy or politic uh, or, or um, petition on somebody else's behalf. Um, but that sense of corporate or community responsibility, really, uh, I think it's something that small businesses get really, really well. I think it's something that they have an intimate and organic understanding of uh, because they want to be a good neighbor because they're trying to be a part of their community. I think, uh, who have I seen do it well? Um, 
yeah, small businesses do it really, really well. And I think the thing that has defined a lot of different organizations during this season is their ability to innovate and pivot quickly, um, which again, small businesses are often capable and competent of doing. Sometimes larger businesses don't do it quite as well. Um, it's May in Oklahoma, and it's tough to think about May in Oklahoma and not think about tornadoes. Um, but I remember being for a large oil and gas company in downtown Oklahoma City that employed in our downtown headquarters 700 plus people uh, during the May 3rd tornadoes not too long ago. And not only were we quick to respond to our employees' needs, we were quick to respond to the needs of the greater community of Moore, Oklahoma. And we were in communication with other oil and gas companies and the nonprofit sector. And all those business leaders came together. And that sense of social responsibility wasn't you know, donating blood or donating dollars or giving a coat in the winter. It was providing shelter. It was free stay at a hotel. It was giving your employees time to go help clean up literally and figuratively. And there was also a financial co component to it. So um, it's innately part of Oklahoma's identity, but it looks a whole lot of different ways. And uh, at the end of the day, it's just being a good neighbor. Absolutely. I, I love that description, being a good neighbor. And I like that you bring up how it's not just financial, um, especially during COVID, you know, I mean, everything is changing and there's not a lot of extra dollars sitting around out there, but uh, people are donating their time to help people. I know that Sarah does that a lot. She donates her services um, to people or it's uh, like plenty lets different businesses use their uh, facility. You know, that's the sweetest downtown venue, by the way, I love. Plenty's loft up there. Um, it's gorgeous. So it's, it doesn't have to look like dollars, right? It can just, it can be different. So that's great. Thank you for bringing that up, Jefferson. So Erica, uh, in working in the modern economy, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm excuse me. I'm gonna go back to the other question. Eric, in working, in, Eric, in working with startups, how do you communicate the importance um, to giving back? Because startups are just getting started. They may not have any money. How do you talk about that with them? Yeah, um, we tried to uh, provide the example as opposed to just talk about it. You know, we actually, we were very intentional from the day that we started Stitch Grew in the accelerator portion of what we do and that we were going to be founder friendly and we were going to have a give first mentality. And what that means, for example, is that, uh, for example, we don't charge the founders anything to go through a program. There's other accelerators that do. We didn't want to do that because to your point, they don't have money. And then the other thing that we did is that we don't take equity in the companies that we help. So other accelerators take a piece of your company for going through a program like ours um, to, to receive the help. Um, and in addition to that, we talk to our mentors. So it's not just Chris and I um, helping the startups. We actually have over a hundred mentors that have signed up to, to mentor the startups and to support them. And they actually have to sign a, a mentor code that, that talks about the importance of giving first um, because it always comes back to you. And, and honestly, those of us that are mentors for startups, we end up getting more out of it because we learn so much from what you guys are building. And so it's actually, it's, that's kind of our compensation. So, so we talk about that. And I think that providing that type of example in that peer-to-peer, -peer, the other thing that I will say, most of the value in the program that we provide is a peer-to-peer -peer connection and how much founders learn from each other. And I think that that's exemplified every day with every virtual call, with everything that we do. 
that hopefully um, it provides that example to founders that, you know, back to Jeff, Jeff's point, to just be a good neighbor, help other people. It always comes back to you. The energy that you put out comes back to you. Um, the type of people that you attract will very much resonate with how you act in the world and, and the contributions that you're making in your community. Um, so we, we try to not necessarily talk about that so much, but just show it with, with how we run the program and, and how we interact with founders on a day-to-day -day basis. Hopefully, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> I was just going to say, I 100% would say that you do that really well because Make Possible Buy has benefited so much for, through being a part of your accelerator program with not giving up equity and not charging us. I mean, it's like getting an MBA really fast. Um, and not to mention the mentoring, that's been huge. I've met with Melissa Houston out of Norman and Allison Conti out of Edmond, and they've been so helpful. It's just amazing to me the connections that you all provide in that these are busy people. You know, they're really busy people. They're running their own businesses or multiple things, but they still reach out to me and go, how can I help you? I mean, that's, yeah. that's a big deal. That's a huge deal, just giving back. Yeah, and you know, in addition to that, we also are part of GAN, and, and GAN really much believes in that give first mentality, founders first mentality. Um, because listen, we, we just, we, so our slogan at Stitch Group is that nobody builds companies alone because we need to get away from that mentality of the lone wolf, you know, the Jeff Bezos and the Mark Zuckerbergs. And we can't continue to idolize that vision of what a founders look like because nobody builds companies alone. You either have co-founders or you have employees or you have customers or you have investors. Somebody helped you along the way uh, to build whatever it is. And we need to be humble about that and acknowledge it. Um, be proud of our stories and contributions and, and, and all of that. I'm not taken away from anybody's um, success. But we need to be real about that um, and hopefully, you know, help other people just help each other out. Absolutely. Well, I, I sent an email out to the Stitch Crew crew and they didn't have an answer to the question. So they looped in GAN and I had three people in GAN all email me within 12 hours. I mean, it just boom, just like that. So I love that. I really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Miss Sarah, talk to me. In the modern economy, how does the concept of being socially responsible affect a brand? You're the brand guru, so you're the perfect person for this. Well, I think that um, we, we work with people we like, you know, so there's that gut, that gut feeling that you have um, that this is the right fit for me here or there. And I mean, I think what's happened is, I mean, we're marketing to whether it's for employees or for customers, we're marketing to people. And people have values, and I think it's really important, important for companies to start when they're working on their brand with their values and get really clear, who are we, you know, what's our mission, what do we believe in? And then um, I think what's really fun is when, is when you're clear on that, then you can start aligning with organizations and programs and people in the community that are kind of going the same direction and have the same values. And it really just makes, you know, it's kind of like when everyone has the same energy and they're on the same wavelength and, and things just flow and you end up attracting the right employees, the right customers, because you're being true to who you are. And, um, and so I feel like, um, 
sometimes I think people are in a hurry and they just want a brand and they think it's a look and a feel, but it's really so much more than that. And once you really get in touch with that, uh, it makes it a lot easier to make decisions. Like, does this feel right? Does this feel right? Um, and people just want to feel good. They want to feel good about going to work. They want to feel good about spending their money. Um, they want to feel good about the relationships they're building in the community. So mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, it's just natural that way. It's very, actually very simple. I think sometimes people overthink it. Um, and sometimes clarity and simplicity is that way. You kind of have to really spend some time kind of getting uh, deep into the work and, and come out the other end and, and be clear about that, so. Well, you're clearly good at helping people figure that out. So that's awesome. I love how you said that you do business with people that you like. Um, yeah. I'm just leaving the chambering world. And in the chambering world, we say you do business with people you know, you like, and you trust. Right. So yeah. you've got to, you've got to build, those, build those relationships for sure. Uh, any of you other panelists, if you ever want to chime in, just give me the little signal that you want to add something to the conversation. Um, Jefferson just asked what GAN is. Erica, do you want to explain? Sorry, we're using acronyms again. We're not supposed to do that. Erica, tell me. Global Accelerator uh, Network. So it's basically about 110 accelerators across the world coming together. So it's kind of like a membership and, and we, our goal and our mission is to help founders wherever they are and to build more startups across the world. Like startups that are intentional, right? And they are really solving problems, not just there for the sake of profit, but, but for the sake of doing good. Um, so that's, that's scan. They're actually headquartered out of Colorado. And, um, and like I said, there's about 110 of us all over the world. And so anytime one of our founders needs help and we can't help them or we don't have the connections and we'll just send an email like Tracy said and who knows who, and then we just help each other out. But I also raised my question because I wanted to say something that Sarah said that I think it's so true. You know, sometimes to our most, you know, biggest problems, the solution is simple, but simple doesn't necessarily mean, mean it's easy. Right, Sarah? Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I think it's it's just taking time. It's just taking time. I think it's interesting because of this time we're in right now. Uh, there's a pause that we weren't really ex expecting, and and I think it it's a really great opportunity to kind of you know just take take a look from a different perspective. And does everything if everything is still aligned, then it's really true, you know. And if it's not, it's a good time to work on some of those, um, those deep things, so. Yeah, COVID has definitely been like a, a sifter that we're sifting out what's really important, you know, and not necessarily we need to get back to normal, but we need to get back to what matters in the normal, you know, and maybe get rid of some things that don't. Because I've gone, I've done lots of these meetings without showering, right? because it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, so not that I'm going to go out in the world and not shower, but it, it doesn't really matter, you know, if my hair is perfect. No, it doesn't, and that's helped me, so anyhow. Okay, Jefferson, we talked a little bit about this, but I'd love to hear from the nonprofit side. Um, beyond cash, how have you seen other for-profits giving back and share ways that you can personally see small businesses doing good in their community beyond cash? 
we touched it a little bit, but you're the genius behind this. Uh, intentional relationships matter. Um, but it's, you know, I think the big three are always time, talent, and treasure. So for uh, an organization to ask themselves and kind of take stock of what they have, what does that look like? Um, I work for, uh, yeah, again, I'll just keep saying large oil and gas company, but we were encouraged to volunteer in places that we felt um, mattered to us and mattered to our community. So we identified uh, kind of the downtown neighbors because we wanted to be a direct impact in that community. We identified rural partners because we operate as an oil and gas company out in the field. And we know that the needs in the field say, uh, you know, Kingfisher, Oklahoma, or uh, Wewoka or Sealing or Alva, probably demographically look different than that in downtown Oklahoma City. And it's not just let's write a check and call the day or let's put our name on a placard, but you have 40 hours uh, a year as an employee to go volunteer. That could be volunteering at a charity walk or run. That could be time spent weekly mentoring at a local elementary or middle school. That could be literally rolling up your sleeves and giving blood. Um, and whether that's a company that has five, 15 or 500 employees, those hours add up over in time. And you watch uh, that commitment and investment in the community look a whole lot different. Um, another thing that is, you know, again, it, things will look different for your company and where you are, but you often have space. So do you, uh, there's a smaller company downtown that has roughly 25 employees. Um, so their space can appropriately host small group meetings and um, become an incubator for, you know, anything from, who knows, a, a Girl Scout troop to a, a community meeting to, you know, fill in the blank. But, um, you know, looking at what, what value your company uh, prides and prioritizes itself with and how can, that, how can they lend that out to the community on a larger scale. Uh, yeah, there are times where uh, it definitely helps to be able to have uh, discretionary income and write that check and make that difference. But your influence can take other capacities of relationships. Well, uh, not too long ago, I had somebody reach out where they wanted to host a, a public gathering and they knew the people that owned the land and they just wanted to be able to meet there. So um, they didn't know how to get in connection with that person, but they knew that I might. So they called me and I called them and um, relationships matter, so. Absolutely. I love that you talk about the volunteering hours. Um, Hetty, what's the kids camp that Stefan Moore runs? Shiloh. Shiloh, thank you, yes. Um, my boys were both a part of that camp and the volunteers that the, I remember a lot of the bigger oil and gas that were helping out there just showing up. But I think that that volunteer hours, especially connecting with kids, that, that to me can have a much huger impact check. Like Erica said, it, it can be simple, but it's not easy. You know, being a volunteer, it's, it's, it's you, well, you devalue it from writing a check, you know, oh, I'm just volunteering. Oh my gosh, but look at the impact you're making. Sorry, Jefferson, go for it. But it's also like, that's one of the things that I think uh, people make assumptions that all business is competitive and it doesn't have to be. Um, I wholly believe that rising tides raise all ships. And that was some of the neat part that I got to see in corporate giving was you had a lot of the large corporate donors coming together, uh, just sharing trade secrets because they wanted to see a larger community impact made. Um, in my time in health and wellness, we did the same thing where we got, you know, 
just because I go to the YMCA and that's where I pursue my fitness doesn't mean that somebody that goes to Lifetime Fitness or, you know, Coda CrossFit can't be equally as fit or more fit. Um, you know, the worst case scenario, we all get healthier. That seems like a pretty good re return on it. So um, the willingness to share those insights uh, is another great way that you're volunteering your time, you're, volunte uh, you're volunteering your, your experience but at the end of the day, the whole community gets better for it. And I think that that's something that often surprises those that may not be in that industry that you want to see others succeed. And just because I'm successful doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't be. That's right. That's right. I yeah. love that. Go ahead, Hedy. I was going to say that one of the great things about uh, Tracy and the Chamber of Commerce when, when she was kind of overseeing that was that there was always this push to do good because the, the chamber understood the impact of us working together towards things such as every business adopting a school and not just business adopting school. There would be a partnership between churches and businesses adopting one school. And when those things happen successfully, you could see the energy of the community and, and that just draws people to, uh, the work that you do when those things happen. And so I think places like the Chamber or, or GAN are made possible by providing people with these opportunities to do good only betters them as a business and our cities and communities. So thank you for those uh, that insight, Jefferson. Sarah, did you want to say something? I was so, I was reading my, my notes for a second. Um, <laughs> no worries. Go ahead. Uh, Jefferson, you said sharing your experience, uh, not just volunteering, but sharing, you know, things that you've learned in business or whatever. I love that in the comments, Erica is saying, I need you guys as mentors because you guys <laughs> have experience. You do. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. And I think sometimes we think we don't have experience or we don't have skills that people could use, but we all do. We all do. We all have something that we're good at that we can share. So that's awesome. Thank you for saying that, Jefferson. I would love the mentor. That's one of my favorite things. Oh, yay. That's awesome. I'll take you both anytime because as Tracy said, and sometimes it's not, it's, it's um, one of the two main barriers to entry for a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly women entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of color, it's lack of capital but also lack of networks. So sometimes it's not even what you bring to the table in terms of expertise, because maybe it's a different industry or different trade, but sometimes you may know somebody that really could benefit from this product or service um, that the startup is doing or know somebody that could help them. So the network effect and the social capital is super important as well. It is. We well, Jefferson, Go. Jefferson just said that when he said somebody reached out to him for the piece of property, he had the relationship, he now gets the property. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Okay, Sarah, back to you, Sarah. What are the positive and negative ways that companies share their story of good? And is there a negative way? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a better, I think there's a, there's better ways. Uh, I don't know if there's anything really negative that comes out of doing good work and connecting with people. But, um, but I would say in terms of doing it for your brand or for business, 
I think, again, if it's in alignment and, um, and you've done all the work, um, good work on the, you know, kind of on the guts of your company so that everyone knows what those things are and can do that work and feel good about it. I mean, I think uh, one of the ways, you, one of the best things you can do is document, document, document uh, through film and video and photography and, um, and you can find people um, you know, just invest in that. And if you don't have the money for that, find someone who you really want to work with and ask them what, what you can trade out with them or, but, um, but I think having the, being able to tell your story about how you're doing that in a, in a way that supports your brand so that people can see your alignment. Um, I think in a negative way, it would be not doing that well, you know, not having good photography, not having good video. Um, trying to use it as a sales tool, I think is a big mistake that people make. Mm -hmm. um, if it's just, if you're just doing good, you don't have to tell people you're doing good. It's kind of like when someone says, oh, we have integrity. It's like, well, you don't really have to tell me that. If you just do things that show that you have integrity, so <laughs> then you don't have to say it. So, um, so I think um, if you're doing things in alignment and you're doing it well and you're documenting it well, then people just see it and they gravitate toward that. And on a more negative side, um, if you're trying to use it as a prop or you're, you're not centered on what would be a good fit and you, so you're kind of just gun, you know, shotgunning it all over the place, it's very confusing to people and it looks like you don't know what you're doing. And if you're doing that poorly with poor, you know, poorly lighted photos or people posing, because um, they're not really, you're not just having someone document it happening then I think it can come off um, and actually hurt your brand because it just looks inauthentic and, and it'll, it'll turn people away that otherwise could have, you know, maybe been the right fit, but that's just not the message that you're putting out. So. Awesome. Those are great. I mean, you're, you're speaking our language. It may possible by, because we love to help people figure out what are your values? What do you want to stand for? And we can get that out to the community for people to know that and to have all your stories in one place to share it, you know, and to share it well. So I, you're speaking my language. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, when you get, when you do this work, it works for everything. I think that's the thing is it's not just, it's not just for brand, for branding, although this is part of, you know, part of your brand. Um, but, uh, and brand is kind of that term, you know, it gets thrown around, but I just think that this stuff will show up in, in lots of ways that you, that you don't expect. And often when we kind of nail that down for people, you know, they think they're getting a piece of paper with words on it that say things, but really once they've gone through and done that work, they're like, this is the most valuable thing we never expected to be able to use it in all these different ways. Yeah. So, it's yeah. like your, your business, the basics are your bones, but if you find your soul and your values, it's like your muscles that are yeah. able to get out there and get and do what you want to do. It's your magic. Can you raise your hand, talk to us. I did. Uh, I, I think a lot of it, and maybe you said the word and I just missed it, but a lot of what Sarah says to me sounds like culture. And when I think about when you're creating your culture in the community or when you're creating your brand, yes, those are two words that have become really popular in recent history, um, but they're popular for the right reasons, hopefully. And the other thing that really kind of resonated with a lot of what I heard and what Sarah was saying was you're just doing it with authenticity and integrity. So um, when you do the right things for the right reasons, uh, good things happen um, and you don't have to tell your story because it tells itself. So uh, I think that uh, when you talk about 
that uh, corporate or community image. Um, it's got to be established, foundational, and real internally before you can expect it to, to work externally to the community. Otherwise, it'll fall apart because, like you said, with Bones, it just doesn't have the right structure or integrity of, uh, of where you're building it from or telling it to. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Jefferson. Erica, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one, too. So I'm, I'm just following what everybody is saying. So tell me again, bring me back to the original sorry, question. Sorry, what are the positive and negative ways that you see uh, businesses sharing their stories of good? I don't think I can outdo what Sarah said and what Jeff said, because um, I agree with everything. Um, I, I, I would just, I guess, confirm that, you know, Sarah said, just be genuine. Like I can't stand, you know, people, in fact, if you're genuine and you're doing things authentically, you don't have to market <laughs> because people can see that it's, that it's you. It's, it's, it's real. Um, I also think that people spend too much time talking about all the good things that they do and they are not being real about the struggles. And I actually think that that buys you authenticity, right? So being able, like, for example, I get called all the time. So I happen to be in a lot of rooms where I'm the only woman or the only Latina in the room. And so often I get called to talk about equality or um, equity or, or, you know, um, how do we help uh, uh, disenfranchised groups? And um, it, it, I, I love to have those conversations, but I think it also goes back to what Jeff says you know, in the culture, it has to like, just if it's not within you, if you really don't want to work, like, you know, those issues are not a one person issue. It's not a branding slogan that you are going to put there. It's not a one thing, you know, you, you can't just throw a festival and call it, you know, a, a diversity festival and, and expect that, that it has to be genuine and it has to be every day. And it has to, it has to be part of everybody that you hire and every employee and, people have to believe it and, and be authentic with it. Um, I can't tell you how many times I see people that do it for branding purposes or for not branding, but for marketing purposes. And they miss the entire point. And I think people, you know, we have smart consumers. I think people can differentiate what's real versus what's being thrown out there for, for sales purposes or for marketing purposes. Yeah, it goes back to that we do business with people we know we like and we trust. If we don't trust the message that you're sending, we're not going to come to your place, you know? So you can say you're this all day long, but until your work shows it, it doesn't work. Sarah, did you have your hand up? I just want to add one, one thing too. I think that people, um, people look at other brands and they, and they, they covet what they see and they think, well, we need to be doing what this person is doing. And, um, and this is kind of part of that, that pausing to get real, you know, figure out who you are, because I think that, um, you know, as a business or uh, you'll attract employees that aren't attracted elsewhere, you'll uh, attract customers that want that you don't have to be something else. And I think, especially with social media and people seeing uh, what other people are doing all the time, it starts to be very homogenized and Kind of the secret sauce in that is is not looking at, at what other people are doing and and 
and being okay with not with it not being perfect like kind of what erica was saying you know there's only one of you to be okay yeah it's gonna be okay you can't really do it wrong if you're just if you're doing it true you know yes we we get that on social media you see everybody's highlight reel and you look at your reality and it's like this doesn't match but everybody has the the blooper reel right because that's what's real and I, i'm hoping that that's one of the things that we're going to shift out with covid you know um just people being more open open with their struggles hetty did you have anything with that <laughs> okay <laughs> um sarah what who or what is a brand that you admire for the work that they're doing in their community I thought about, it's so hard to pick one. You can do more um, than one. We like more than one. Go. Okay. Um, I'm going to run through a couple. Um, so I'm going to start with some brands that are, uh, that are national, just because I think that sometimes yeah. you just look to some historic. So there was a story um, that I read uh, probably 15 years ago um, when I first started getting into this kind of work. Um, like diving deeper into the sustainability and, and corporate alignment with um, nonprofits. I started out in the nonprofit world, uh, working with a lot of nonprofits. But um, Timberland had a program where they work with any inner city kids that had never been uh, out in nature. And I'm a real nature person, so I, I just can't even imagine not having uh, that kind of experience. And so I thought it was really cool. They um, they sent uh, their employees out. They got to pick where they wanted to go, and they donated uh, boots to kids. Mm -hmm. And they took them on. They took them out camping. And I just thought that was such a great way. They used what they had, which is people and their product. And um, they just were very. And then they they volunteered their time. And I I just thought that was a great example. Um, it, it was something I could use. That was a story I could use to really have my my clients go oh okay and think about what do you do that other people don't do that you could take and make um into something like that the other person i was going to say is alice waters and the program that she's done with food um in oakland california where she really introduced the whole organic food movement and taught uh started a program um at the school system her daughter was um to really um to under to make uh, to grow and make their own food. And um, my kids went to Keystone Adventure School and Farm, which was in Edmond, and they got to do that too. And so I just, I really think programs like that. And of course she has um, Chez Panis and uh, it's a wonderful restaurant um, also. And they cook like that uh, with all the organic. Um, but it really brought back the whole uh, farmer's movement, buying local food. That was where that really started. So um, again, it's a catalyst for that whole community, that project, um, through the schools, through, through the local farmers. Um, and that was just her um, sticking to her own, like, I want food that tastes good, that hasn't been grown with all this uh, crap on it. And, you know, yeah, and from there you get all these great things. Uh, so locally, um, I have to say, when I came back from college, Oklahoma City was in a really rough spot. So um, I think the city of Oklahoma City and the Chamber of Commerce is such a great um, way to bring people together. The stuff that they did, starting with interns to keep 
kids here. Uh, they did a whole program like here's Oklahoma City and really helped introduce the city back to this younger group of people and that really caught on and we had an internship program so we were involved in that and um, and I just I think that uh, that story is amazing of how Oklahoma City has grown and just reinvigorated the whole community and they've done that through through these different organizations but also through these acts of good and just all the planning and maps. I mean, so that's just a, but Oklahoma City is a brand and there was a time when nobody would oh, say sure. they were from here, <laughs> didn't want to say, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. So I'm really impressed with how that's changed over time. And, um, and, and, we, and we watched that happen and we were just involved in that the whole way. So that was pretty amazing to see all the, all the ways that that brought our community together. And some local businesses, um, I'm going to talk about a couple of my clients just because uh, I see what they do all the time. Uh, Verbode is one which I think has been really innovative. Um, and, and they, of course, are a real estate company. Uh, they do an art event, so they support local artists, benefits from that art event, go to help the Homeless Alliance, and they sit on the, Sarah sits on the board of the Homeless Alliance. So I feel like that's a really great example. They're a real estate company. How can we do this different. I mean, people are putting art in their homes that support local art. Like it's all comes back to this. Um, how can we engage the community and have it still make sense for us and the things they do for the homeless? I mean, they'll just do like a money drive when the temperature drops and raise $5,000 and go buy coats or socks or whatever people need that day. It's pretty incredible to watch their entire team um, shift behind these things. And it's because they they have those shared, those shared values. Um, uh, we work with the oil tree and I'm a big foodie and I love food. And, um, and they let you taste everything in their store. And they, even though they don't sell produce, they do a lot of promoting um, local farmers and they have a pickup for local um, produce and things at their store. And so they're always like looking on ways to, to engage with the community and, um, developing new products and um, tying those into things like sponsoring those healthy drinks and things with the marathon and so just looking at ways that they can connect um, with the community so um, I think that there are so many people in Oklahoma City doing great things it's hard to really hit them all but those are some some different examples. Those are great examples and those are all ones that you can tell that they really care they're not just like okay we need to have a smiley face. Let's just go write a check somewhere, but they're connecting, connecting with their communities. Jefferson, Erica, do you have anybody that pops to your mind? There's so many, it's a tough to pick a place to start. Uh, the one that came to mind that I think kind of also ties into the answer earlier, as far as like uh, a business that has a good brand and has been intentional about it, but also looks at where they can be of the most service. Uh, Celestial Cycles. I, I like riding bicycles. I first met your husband on a bicycle. I love uh, those guys. But those one of the things that really neat about the first time I was introduced to Celestial Cycles was they weren't some huge company that could go throw a bunch of money at putting their name on the back of a jersey. Um, they've grown their influence organically and they've withstood, uh, withstood the test of time. Um, of you know being a small business that's relocated more than once or twice 
But when they were volunteering their time for that first bike ride, it was for a fundraiser for a nonprofit organization that was trying to send kids to camp, which is a great idea. Um, but they knew if you're going to have all these guys riding bicycles trying to raise money, then you're going to get a flat tire. You're going to need something adjusted. You're going to have problems with your handlebars. And they said, we can give our time and we can give our talent. So we'll help fix flats and we'll make sure everything's tuned up and squared to go to make sure that the fundraising event could be as successful as you can imagine. Um, that served them well because they weren't waving their flag saying, look at me on celestial cycles. They said, there's a need and I can address it. And it also has turned into probably, you know, countless long-term forever, ever customers for them as they've built a community. Um, there, I, I love what Sarah was saying about Oklahoma City because I love to call Oklahoma City home. Uh, I think of all the little districts that didn't exist when I was growing up in Oklahoma City from the Paseo to the Plaza. Uh, that wasn't a thing 15 years ago. There was, there was no Plaza district. Um, you look at Film Row, you look at Automobile Alley, and I question whether or not uh, probably five to Eight, 10 years ago, if those could all exist, if our market was large enough to sustain all of them? And the answer was yes, because they all created their own identity on the type of community that they wanted to create. Um, one more shout out to the Thunder, uh, because even though they are a big NBA brand, uh, their place in Oklahoma City is exceptional. And I think it, the, the NBA coming to Oklahoma City created a new sense of identity that brought Oklahoma Oklahoma at, at a statewide level together um, from what they do with your group Erica to the breaking bread event that I uh, mentioned not too long ago that was a conversation around racial reconciliation and racial injustice uh, they underwrote that uh, breakfast um, they helped us you know find a, a facility that would appropriately host 250 faith-based leaders and at no point in time did the Thunder say look at me look at what we're giving the community um, but they knew that they were creating community and all of that and you know one more one to talk about Oklahoma City is you look at the Memorial Marathon and the 25th anniversary. And uh, Mayor Holt often says that most folks that live in Oklahoma City now, 50% or more, weren't here 25 years ago. Uh, whether they weren't born or they've moved here since, uh, the bombing didn't matter to them in that capacity. But the Thunder cares about the bombing. Employees uh, volunteer for the finish line. Um, you've got the general manager of, of a you know, mid-market NBA team handing Erica, are you paused? Uh, no, I, I can hear. I think it's Jeff that paused on us. Jefferson, you paused. Are you back? I think he was going to say that the uh, general manager was handing out water at the finish line. <laughs> at, the, at the memorial. All right, we'll get Jefferson oh, back cool. here in a second. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, I was just going to riff off of that just a little bit um, because the Thunder also, um, their value set is different than other NBA teams and they're, they're very protective of that and, and they fight for that because a lot of times I think that they, they are asked, you know, or I mean, they just don't fit with the same, uh, they do a lot of things that other NBA teams wouldn't necessarily do. And, and I think they, I mean, it's because of Oklahoma City and the type of city we are, and they feel very strongly, I think, about staying aligned with that um, and, and also being an NBA team, but, but not gonna not be the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think that that's 
pretty pretty amazing. I keep hearing a theme, a level of selflessness. You know, I mean, yes, it's great to get back, and your brand will um, prosper for it. But there's still just a. It's not about me. It's not all about me. We love that. I think that's awesome. Erica, did you have somebody? No, I mean, I think you've highlighted all of mine. Obviously, the Thunder, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have the accelerator had they not um, committed to it. And, you know, I, I will say something else about the Thunder that I appreciate. Um, you guys, those of you that know Chris and I and Gabby, you know we're very outspoken about the things that we care about. And when we got together with the Thunder, they listened to us and we told them it's very important for us that our first corporate partner doesn't try to silence us or try to, uh, you know, ability to talk about the issues that we care about and how we want to build the, the in Oklahoma, which for us, it was very important that it was in an inclusive way. And they got it immediately and they said, go for it. I mean, we're just here to help and 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 those values are very much aligned with ours um so i appreciate that um a lot um that that you know and, and to sarah's point this is not a market a lot of people when the thunder first got here they would argue that it it wouldn't be sustainable because we in by the nba standards in the franchise it, it is a small market um and 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 on, on a lot of people question whether they would be viable and sustainable and they proven everybody wrong i think because of the fan engagement and and their ability to really resonate with the community and i would say also to all those partners all the corporate partners for the thunder for this first couple of years because they um they put those people in the seats i mean when people they made sure that every every seat was filled they bought extra tickets they gave them to their employees their employees gave them to friends and families and neighbors and and i think that's such a great example of i mean we knew we had to have that stadium full for that to be a success and and uh everybody did the pay, the pay it forward you know like buying the coffee for the person behind you at starbucks um and pass their tickets on and um it wasn't it wasn't about the money you know it was about being there for the team and uh showing everybody that we could do it i'm gonna add one more too um that's a smaller more of a small business slash foundation slash uh food hall but um in tulsa the tulsa the mother road market which is sponsored by the lubbock taylor foundation um, Elizabeth and Kathy Taylor, um, Elizabeth Frame and Kathy Taylor. One of the things that I love how they handle COVID is that they stay true to the roots, right? So they created this food hall for food entrepreneurs that get to have and display their, their businesses and this beautiful food hall. Um, it, and they created a fund to help those owners uh, deal with COVID-19 and, and to be able to, you know, because they obviously had to stop. They didn't wait for the state to do something. They didn't wait for the city to do something. They organized themselves. They created a fund to help um, the employees and the and their restaurant owners. And, and they didn't really promote other than to ask people to donate to the fund. And so um, 
it it just shows, right? Um, Jefferson, did you have something? No, I'm doing all right. Okay, we're happy that you're back. Um, I was thinking about what you just said, that they didn't wait, Erica, for them, for anybody else to join them. They just started doing it. Um, I was still at the chamber. Uh, I just left recently, but there was a business in Edmond called um, High Tech Plumbing, and they just, on their own, called a restaurant and said, we're going to give you $500 put it out there that people can come get a free meal. And it inspired so many others to do that. And they called the, the Guthrie Chamber and said, we want to do the same thing. So they did it. I think we've had uh, six or seven of them since then, Hetty, of different yeah. businesses who have just done the same thing, you know, just feeding people and not waiting for anybody else, not getting anybody else on the bad wagon, do this with me. They just did it. Yeah, and I think, and I, and I think too now it's become more than just that. Like I saw the other day that, you know, there was a group that sponsored uh, lunch for teachers. You know, they just put five hundred dollars down, and yeah. teachers went. Uh, I had someone reach out to me, so we're gonna pay for uh, lunch for all seniors on the day that we're supposed to have graduation, since there won't be a graduation, and so we're gonna do that. And I think that's the importance of sharing the story, right? Like when people see the story it inspires them to move forward. And, and sometimes when we hold on to our stories and don't share them, mm -hmm. then we don't get this ripple effect because we kind of held on to it. But I think being genuine in that, like they're just trying to help people out. The story was told and then now other people are, are jumping on doing that and now being creative in doing it. Let's pay for all the lunch for seniors because there's not gonna be a graduation. You know, there'll be one eventually, but it won't be on the day that they originally thought. And so, and reaching out to me to say, you want to be in this? And now I've reached out to other people. And so now we're going to have fun with providing uh, meals for uh, seniors, not senior citizens, but graduates, you know what I'm saying? When you say we, Hetty, who's we that's paying for the seniors' lunches? Uh, so there's Ace Hardware, uh, Trilogy, uh, North Church, all come, coming together to do it. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. Jefferson, the last thing we heard you say was that there was uh, the general manager of the Thunder was at the finish line handing out water. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to that? I don't want to cut you off. No, I'm not quite sure what happened to my video, so I do apologize. Uh, okay. But no, I mean, just the fact that you've got an organization that large that's volunteering their time on a Sunday in April, uh, you know, without any intention of getting, you know, recognition or otherwise. It's doing the right things for the right reason, regardless of whoever sees it. So, um, you know, big fan of the Martin Luther King Jr. quote that the time is always right to do what is right. And I think that completely applies to today's conversation when you're talking about ways in which that you involve and invest yourself and your community, uh, yourself and your company in our community. Thank you, Jefferson. I appreciate that. Um, we're getting pretty close to the end. So I've got two more questions real quick, if we could do those. And unless somebody has something um, completely different. I'm totally okay going off script. So just holler at me if you want to do something different. But Erica, how would you suggest businesses deciding what they want to give back to? What does that look like? How do they determine that? I think they, it, it, Sarah said it, I think you have to stay true to your values. What's important to you? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we tell startups all the time, um, so for, for us, if, if we use us as our example, we're, we're very transparent 
we are not just looking to help any startup. We're looking to help startups that are there for profit, um, which investors love, but they're also doing something valuable for the community and really solving important problems. Uh, we don't need another app that just, it's another app that's going to distract our youth. You know, we really want to look for, for those founders that are solving good problems that are important to them. And here's why it's important to us too, to, to, to look for those founders and to find those founders is that those type of founders, if they're solving a problem that they're emotionally attached to it or they've experienced or they're emotionally attached to the people that, that the problem affects, they're less likely to quit when things are, get hard. And I think all of us here in this room are, are uh, entrepreneurs and as sexy as Netflix makes it appear sometimes or, or the media, it's not. It sucks sometimes. And, and there are time, times where you wonder why you're doing this and not just taking a job and a steady paycheck. Um, and, and, and the reason why I think a lot of founders stick with it is because they're, they really want to solve the problem. They're really passionate about it. And it's the same with giving, right? It, you're going, if, if you're not passionate about what you're doing and the people that you're helping, you're going to do it once and then you're not going to do it again. So it's not going to be consistent and, and, and nobody benefits when things are not consistent. So I think just going back to your values and what's important to you and why it's important to you and understanding that if you start there, you'll, you'll be able to contribute in multiple ways, uh, even when you're not even thinking about it. Yes. If it doesn't matter to you, then it's not going to matter to anybody else. People aren't going to believe you, you know? So yes, it comes back to being authentic for sure. Jefferson, last question real quick. Um, why is it okay to share your stories of good or why or why not? What do you think? Um, sounding a little bit like a broken record here, but uh, you know, if it's honest, if it's honest, if it's authentic, and if it's real, then it will come across as such. So those are the appropriate times to do it. Um, I think that you know, during uh, a season when you know a community, or in this case, our entire world is hurting as a result of COVID, you have to be responsible and respectful of of their hurt. And uh, you know, now is probably not the time to you know, stand up on top of you know, a table yelling about all the great things that you're doing if they're not relevant um, to, to the pain that others might be experiencing. And um, I know of a, a company right now that when their employees return to work, uh, they're considering the notion of uh, making a, a financial gift directly to the employee in the hopes and storytelling efforts that those employees go out and give it to the community. Um, that they, they find a nonprofit that matters, that they eat locally, that they shop locally, um, because they want to see that local economy stimulated. Um, but they're, they're making this consideration not about celebrating their own success, but about going back to that concept of culture and how do you uh, embrace that for the right reason. So, um, you know, it, I, I don't know that I really answered your question other than... Um, yeah, it's more about the gift than uh, the grandstanding, perhaps. So if we hold on to our stories, kind of what Hetty was saying, we can't inspire others to do good. So it's sharing our stories, not so people think, oh, you're so great. It's to inspire others. Yeah, and I think that it's also a little bit of the reflection of that, uh, that mantra that you become what you celebrate. Um, so if you celebrate what the gift does, if you celebrate 
Um, yeah, uh, perfect story. I'm sorry. I hope this is correct. But uh, oh, no. yesterday, uh, the YMCA posted on their uh, YMCA of Greater Oklahoma City posted on their social media that a they are a nonprofit and that their employees were donating blood uh, because right now there is a huge shortage uh, nationally for for donated blood or plasma. Um, it happened to be that her COO that was donating blood. He was wearing a mask, and I just happened to know him. Otherwise, uh, you would have no idea who that particular individual was. Um, they told the story because the story matters, and they're celebrating um, who they are and what they do, not that they get credit for doing it, but because they want to encourage others to do the right thing as well. So uh, I loved that they had leadership leading by example, but I also loved that they were humble in their storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so I love that we're talking about sharing our stories of good and how to help businesses grow and find your niche for your brand. But I've been writing just random words down that we've been talking about and genuine, real, authentic, humble, inspired. Those are the words that are coming out and that's encouraging to me because that's all those words are about everybody else. You know, yeah. that's about out here. That's not about me. How do I look? How do I look? That's out here. Uh, that's inspiring to me. So. Thank you guys for your time so much. You guys want to give a 20 second shout out? Anybody? Sarah? I'm going to do a 20 second shout out to my daughter. Awesome. We drove 16 hours yesterday and hunkered down with me in the SUV at a truck stop for five hours to get here in time to be on this call. So anyway, we had a blast, but Anyway, she's been a real trooper. She's been walking the dogs so they don't bark. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Jefferson. I, I just thank you all for, for the invitation to be a part of this conversation. Um, thank you for the way that you lift up, honor, and celebrate others. Um, you haven't met some others, Sarah and Erica, in person, but I look forward to when that opportunity takes place. And, uh, you know, go learn about your local community. Thanks for giving a damn and making a difference. Well, you're you're a mentor now, Jefferson. So you're in. Find <laughs> me. Hey, I just want to I want to give a shout out to uh, the three of you uh, for for being willing to have this conversation and uh, take an hour out of your time uh, to do this because uh, these things matter. I know they matter to me, and they matter to so many other people. And I enjoy that we're creating a platform for these kind of the conversations to happen. Uh, because so often we do shy away from being willing to talk about the good that people are doing. And, and, but I think that, it, that it's important. And that's how I decide oftentimes where I'm going to shop and eat is based on people being genuinely and doing good in their community uh, because I think it, it matters. So uh, thank you all for doing this. Awesome. Thank you, Hattie. Erica, you got a shout out? Um, shout out to all the entrepreneurs that are getting ready to pitch on demo day in two weeks and shout out to all the community that support local businesses and local startups and that are working to help us grow organically, not just through acquisition. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Demo day is the word I hear in my nightmares these days. <laughs> that's what wakes me up. No, that's, it's going to be great. It's be great. And all you out there, we'd love for you to join us. Erica, uh, put the link um, in the chat box. We'll make sure that that goes out when we send this podcast out. We, 
Thunder Launchpad, Stitch Crew, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Jefferson. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Hetty, for coming today. I appreciate you helping made possible by making good loud because that's what we're all about. So thank you, guys. Have a great one. Thank you. Go win.